0: All right, well, welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech Edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Jackson Moody. Yep, they haven't got rid of me yet. Um, so here we go. We have a big episode today. We have a basketball coaching search in full swing, and it's starting to look like we got our guy in Grant McCaslin. It looks like he'll be hired after North Texas' uh, NIT run is complete. They just won in Stillwater over Mike Boynton yesterday. Um and we have some baseball news. I I'll, I'll get into the coaching search first, but we're going to talk about baseball at the end. We just took the lead. Uh, we're tied for first in the Big 12 by beating our probably toughest rival for the Big 12 title in Oklahoma State. Two out of three games, beat them 8 to 7 on Friday, beat them lost to them 9 to 4 on Saturday, and then we made Coach Holiday cry so much on Sunday. By 10-piecing them in the 5th when they were throwing their best pitcher to beat them 12-1, run-ruled them. So much that they got Brandon Beckel suspended for the Texas series. I'll give you my thoughts on that suspension. It's absurd. And then we'll finish off with the McCollers taking a thinly-veiled shot at Texas Tech, it seems. Alright, so the coaching search has narrowed. Rick Patino has been hired. Rick Pitino... I'm not saying there was no contact between Rick Pacino and Texas Tech. I'm just saying that the reports that Texas Tech was reaching out are probably a bunch of bullcrap. I don't think they ever had any interest in hiring Rick Patino. We already went from uh, one older gentleman with a interesting scandal away from the court. We weren't going to go with another um, Rick Patino goes to St. John's, the Oral Roberts coach is going to wichita state um and it seems like we've zeroed in on grant mccaslin and this is an interesting hire this was not a hire and i spoke about it i didn't like it i didn't like the thought of hiring him when this all started i gotta say i was a little bit rash when this started i've looked him up more This guy is a winner. Now, there are some issues with him. He runs a very boring offensive style. His last two seasons, they ranked dead last in offensive tempo. In the entire country, over 350 schools. I think it was 358 last season, 363 this season. He ranked dead last. He is a very good defensive coach, and defense is what made Texas Tech successful. His players play like dogs on the court. They really do. Um, in Ken Palm rankings, North Texas. Uh, in his six seasons, he's been at North Texas for six seasons. Adjusted defense, according to Ken Palm, first year 142, second year 82nd, third year 146, and then these last three years. This uh, fourth year was when he beat Purdue in the tournament, 48th in Ken Palm in adjusted defense. Then 22 and 26, and they made the semifinals of the NIT. This year, Which is very good for a program like North Texas. One thing that I think is worth pointing out about his time at North Texas, he's had six straight winning seasons. They went four straight years without a winning season before him. He's done it six years in a row. And he's gotten better defensively every season, which I think shows that he can recruit to the style that he wants to play. He knows what he wants to play. He's good at recruiting it. And now he is not an offensive guru. This is his adjusted offensive ratings in Kempom, his six seasons in chronological order. First season, 162, then 265, then 34th, was pretty good defensively his third year. 101, his fourth year, when they knocked off Purdue, so they were right outside the top 100, which for a Conference USA school isn't that bad. 116 and then this year was 76. So you're not going to see a great style of offense that we all, you know, you're not going to see pretty basketball. You're not going to see Golden State Warriors basketball, okay? Um I think that's pretty obvious. We're not going to see Warriors basketball. However, he is a winner. He is a winner. What made Texas Tech successful? Texas Tech went 15 years before winning a tournament game between, or 13 years between 2005 and 2018, once they implemented that defensive system, because the defense wasn't quite there, Chris Beard's first year. You've been to three Sweet 16s, two Elite Eights, and a national title game since you went with that defensive style. He wins, he's a winner. His record at North Texas is now 132 and 65. He has a 67% win rate at a school that before he got there did not have a winning season in four years. At Arkansas State, his previous stop, he was 20 and 12, his only season there. The year before that, they went 11 and 20. Before that, at Midwestern State, They went 30 and 3, then 25 and 9. He was 55 and 12. He is overall 207 and 89 as a college basketball head coach. He's 1 and 1 in the D1 NCAA tournament, 6 and 2 in the D2 tournament. He, in his two seasons with Midwestern State, finished second or finished, uh, got to the Elite Eight. He's not 2 and 1 in the NIT. I'm sorry, that is wrong. He is. 4-1 4-1 in the NIT, and he is 5-1 and one in the CBI. He is a very good coach. We shouldn't make a, any mistakes about that. My question is, is he the coach we need? We kind of wanted to see a different style. I know me personally, I wanted to see what it would see, look like in the United Supermarkets arena playing with an offensive style. I think that would suit the arena really well. But in six seasons at North Texas, he's won two Conference USA games. And apparently when he was a JUCO coach at Northeastern Junior College, he was pretty offensive. It kind of seems like he knows how to adapt to players, install a system based off of adapting to the players initially, and then can recruit to that system after that. He also has Texas ties. His wife was a soccer player for Texas Tech. He got a master's at Texas Tech. He spent two years as the director of operations at Texas Tech. I have no clue, no clue what that exactly means. That's an administrative career, but he is familiar with Lubbock, and I know Lubbock of 22 years ago is a lot different than Lubbock of today. But he's been in Texas almost his entire life. Uh, Northeastern JUCO, I know that's in it's in uh, Colorado, but since 2004 to now, he's been in Texas except for that one year at Arkansas State. He knows the landscape that he's going to be dealing with. And quite honestly, he probably could have got hit hired by a Power Six job before this. I know that he made a big run at the tech job after Chris Beard left in 2021. Uh, it was kind of Joey McGuire esque that he actually sent binders uh, or a binder of his plan for Texas Tech basketball to them uh, during that. And there was mutual interest. Ultimately, we went with Mark Adams. At the time, it seemed like a great decision. Right now, it seems like a bad mistake. But this is going to be crucial. This hire is extremely crucial for Texas Tech. If he can give you five years, and he doesn't even need to make the tournament every year. Forget- he doesn't need to make the tournament every year. If he can give you... Some Sweet 16s and Elite Eight, maybe even a Final Four over the next five years, you are going to look like what Baylor basketball looks like today. Maybe minus that national title, and you're one missed three away from that. Because Baylor basketball from 11 to now had a, a 2012 to now had an Elite Eight, uh, NIT. Uh, they went to the Sweet 16, two first round exits, another Sweet 16, another NIT. A round of 32, a national title, and then a couple more round of 32s. Now, that doesn't scream success, but Baylor is the most highly thought, one of the most highly thought of non-blue blood programs in the entire country. When you look at Texas Tech basketball, uh, on the flip side of that, it would look pretty similar if he can give you five good years. Your program would look very similar. I mean, if we're looking now, you had... You know, since 18 to now, an elite eight, a national tile appearance, a COVID year, um, a sweet 16, or or, sorry, a second round, a sweet 16, then a missing the tournament, which Baylor did twice in the last 10 years. There is a lot of potential if this hire is successful, that in five years, you look like what Baylor basketball looks like today, if not better. This is a huge hire for this program. If it flops, Texas Tech basketball is not going away. You still have great facilities, which I know facilities don't matter as much in NIL. Well, guess what? You have a great collective, you have a really good stadium, you have fans that pack the arena, and you do have some history, some recent history and some past history. This hire is insanely crucial. It's not make or break if it doesn't work out the program's not done. But it is important to get a bounce back higher because you can take a step so that you're thought of one of the premier programs in the Big 12 or even the entire nation after this. The potential is there. Grant McCaslin is a proven winner. He's been successful at every single stop he's made. And his apprenticeship under Scott Drew is also very notable. He coached under Scott Drew. He Scott Drew took Baylor basketball up from nothing. I know Chris Beard coached under Bob Knight, and that's a great apprenticeship. But Scott Drew, yeah, it's not Bob Knight, but it's not far off of it. And probably in modern college basketball, it's a little bit better to be a Scott Drew uh, from the Scott Drew coaching tree than the Bob Knight coaching tree. Just look at what Jerome Tang's done at Kansas State. Now, there are some concerns Will players want to play for him? Will offensive players want to play for him? Well, did offensive players really want to play for Mark Adams or Chris Beard? I mean, you got Jamias Ramsey, really good offensive player. Culver, he was good. Um, Terrence Shannon came back to play for Mark Adams. So I think a lot of what you will see is the transfers that we get are going to be players that are pretty good on offense and lack on defense, kind of like Bryson Williams was from UTEP where they're coming to develop that defensive style in one of their later college years, which I think is a really good path to take. The identity of Texas Tech's defense will not change much. The offense is going to be interesting, and I do have some concerns because Barrett Peary is one guy that I would really like to see back. He is a great evaluator of talent. He is a great recruiter. I would love to see him back. He also at Portland State had one of the highest offensive tempos in the in the I don't I was stuck between nation and country there. In the nation. We'll go with that. In the nation. He had one of the highest offensive tempos in the nation. Will he fit what Grant McCaslin wants to do? Because there's a lot of people very fond of Barrett Peary, and I would be one of them. But people way more important than me that really like Barrett Peary, really did not like that Adams got rid of him. This past season that want to see this guy return. I think you're in a good position. It's going to be surrounding him with a coaching staff that is full of guys that can coach at the Big 12 level. And I think that also Grant McCaslin may actually help you do that. He's probably going to take a lower salary than if you go get a big name. And you're going to have more money to spend on assistants. Kind of like what you're doing uh, in football with Joey Maguire right now. So it looks like it's going to be Grant McCaslin. Obviously, that can change. I've grown on this hire a lot. I think it is a good hire. It's going to be interesting. It can certainly fail. It can certainly fall short of expectations. But I think that he is a good guy to have here. Anyways, moving on from Grant McCaslin. I Actually, one more point on this. Al Pinkins, he signed with Ole Miss. There are rumors out there that there is a clause that if he's retained by Texas Tech, he can go back and get off his contract. I don't know if those rumors are true. That would be a guy I'd really love to have back from this past staff. He'd probably be top of my list on assistant coaches I want back. The general consensus is he didn't really like working with Chris Beard that much the first time, but... Assistant coaches don't like to be unemployed, and, look, if we can bring him back, which I certainly think we can, um, then that would be another great ad for us. All right, well, now let's talk some baseball. On to uh, less murky waters here. We beat Oklahoma State. Um, Ryan Free got the win for us on Friday. Look, this was not the prettiest game ever um, by any means. Brandon Gritton started it for us. He threw three and two-quarters innings. He allowed six runs, five earned. Not great. Uh, but Texas Tech found a way to get the win. They put a lot of balls in play. They out them 10-9. They were cleaner in the field, which is something that this Tech team has just, quite frankly, not been that clean in the field. They had one error compared to Oklahoma State's four. They got down uh, six to one after four, started rallying. Had a four-run eighth to tie it, and then had a pop-up uh, down the left field line that the Oklahoma State left fielder misjudged, and game over. Texas Tech beats Oklahoma State. Moving on to Saturday was not the best for us. Mason Molina overall pitched pretty well. Went five and a third. He gave up three earned runs on only four hits. Uh, pretty good performance by him. Just wasn't our day hitting. Um, when you look at the totals, you had 36 at-bats, only 10 hits, which isn't bad. But you just couldn't convert in the key situations. Your bullpen kind of collapsed a bit on you. And I trust Texas tex bullpen, but they are dicey. You lost 9-4, to gave up five runs in the eighth. You move on after that. And we get to Saturday where you get down one early. You have a two-run third to bring it back. You're going up against Oklahoma State's best pitcher, a top 40 MLB draft prospect, uh, Watts Brown. He's staring guys down. He's chirping a bit. And there was chirping all week from both teams. Uh, Texas Tech is obviously one team that really does enjoy uh, chirping a bit. Taper Fast uh, did some quality work. Pitched two or three and two-thirds. Only gave up two hits. Only one run. Uh, so, pretty good day from him. And then... The onslaught. The absolute onslaught. Uh, Wow. Green with a a grand slam in the fifth. Then you get on base. Bravo, homers. uh, Make it 8-1. And then you just roll it up. You score 10 in the bottom of the fifth. The game's over at that point. Oklahoma State is on the verge of getting run-ruled. They would get run-ruled. And in the top of the sixth, Brandon Beckel strikes out a player, and they've been chirping at each other all weekend, and he waves to him bye-bye. And completely fair. Both teams have been chirping. Both teams chirped all weekend. And you know what? Yeah, you're probably the two best teams in the conference. There's a good chance y'all meet down the road in a Super Regional, maybe even Omaha. Y'all may both get there. Both teams believe they're the best in the conference. Texas Tech's at home and uh, worse ranked than Oklahoma State. There was chirping all weekend. And then Holiday, the Oklahoma State manager, comes out and cries in a pathetic manner. I will say this guy has now lost five straight series to Tim Tadlock, including a Super Regional, to end his season. And in this one, he is crying that Texas Tech players are being too mean because one of them waved at his guy, and he gets Brandon Beckle, Ejected and not only ejected, because whatever, game's over, you're done and dusted, you lost, Brandon Beckel is getting the win anyways, you lost, uh, suck it up, oh well, Tech wins, they take a big series. But he gets him ejected and suspended for four games. And that is just pathetic, that is just pathetic. The fact that a manager could go out to the umps for something minor, Something very minor. I know that both teams were warned, but they were chirping all weekend. Holiday had to be told to stop chirping on Friday. And he gets him ejected and suspended four games, so he's out for the UT series. He's out for the entire Texas series in Austin. How is it that a manager gets the top reliever on his primary Big 12 title contender opponent, Suspended four games. How is that possible? How is that okay? The ump's obviously didn't think it was a big deal at first. He goes out there, throws a little fit, and gets him suspended. And there's uh, there's no appeal process. There's no appeal process. The Big Twelve comes out and says there's no appeal process. You can't appeal with us. Uh, it's NCAA rule. No appeal process. You can't you can't say anything. I mean, come on, come on. That's absurd. That's just ridiculous. It. You lost the game. You're getting embarrassed. It's your fault for not taking your pitcher out earlier. And now you're complaining that the team was too mean when you know darn well your team was chirping at them all weekend too. Come on. Be a man and take the loss. That's ridiculous that Brandon Beck was suspended for the UT series. And how is there no way to appeal that? So manager comes out crying that oh the other team was being too mean i know we were we were yelling stuff but now we're down 11 now we're getting run rule. now it's embarrassing and now there I know our pitcher was staring people down the top the bottom of the last inning and we gave up a 10 spot but now now we're being too mean now we're being too mean i mean come on that's absurd it and now we're going to suspend a guy, uh, suspend a student athlete for chirping at another guy in a game that's supposed to be played with passion. And he's suspended, and there's no appeal process, and he's out for the Texas series. And you know what? It is what it is. Texas baseball isn't that great this year. They're not bad, uh, but they're not the Texas of years past. Um, obviously, I'll actually be there for the Friday night game. Um, luckily, I I get to go there for work. This uh, I'm on a two week trip. I actually got pulled over in Uvalde, something insanely minor. They decided to search my car for 20 minutes. Found nothing, so a huge waste of time for them. But Texas has been hot lately. They've won 11 games in a row. Now their wins haven't been the most impressive. They beat Sam Houston. They beat Mercer. They beat Manhattan in three straight. Beat North Dakota State back to back. Then beat. New Orleans three straight and incarnate Ward once, so they're on a hot streak. It's not going to be an easy game for Texas Tech. You got to get two out of three in Austin. This is a game against a team that you are better than. You are better than Texas. You got to get two out of three in this one. You got to get two out of three to still feel good about your Big Twelve tile hopes. Then the schedule eases up. I know that Oklahoma has been pretty hot this year. Uh, TCU. They're ranked high, but they have not looked the part so far this year. Then you take care of business against the bottom half, Kansas State, um, Kansas, Baylor. uh, They actually took two out of three from Kansas State despite looking awful to begin the season. And then West Virginia has actually been pretty good this year. But you feel good about where you're at in the Big 12 title race. You just beat uh, your probably top rival for the Big 12 title. Two out of three games, you have a really young team. You hope that they mature throughout the season. It's going to be a fun year. You're out. You're without your top reliever, which sucks against Texas, but, you know, it is what it is. It's not fair that that happened, but it happened, and oh, well, now you just got to go win some baseball games uh, without him, and you know, it's going to be a fun season. I don't know if they're Omaha good. They're a really good team. I expect them to host a regional and certainly have a chance to get to Omaha. Uh, but we'll see what happens this weekend in Austin. It's going to be a huge series. Um, anyways, moving back to basketball, the McCollers kind of like to take shots at Texas Tech. I, I don't know if you re- if all realized this. Uh, maybe by Kevin announcing that he was leaving Tech four times. Uh, you all did. Uh, but... It was kind of interesting. He um, He's tweeted that there's nothing like uh, Jayhawk Nation. Um, his dad was tweeting that KU will obviously be home. His mom got in on it. And look, it is what it is. You get – I mean, but come on, man. You, you got NIL from Texas Tech last year. You were out there doing Kane sponsorships. You are probably offered some good NIL this past season. I get the situation wasn't the best. But, man, do you really expect fans not to get on you for going to Kansas? You're going to another Big 12 school. We wanted you back. You didn't want to come back. Fine. Okay. Now, I still like Agbo. I still like the guys that kind of were processed out. But, man, if you're a McCoy, you you had to expect some hate. I mean, come on. You had to expect some hate. And you spent three, four years at Tech, really, because he was uh, behind the bench in the 2019 national title run. He was just left high school a year early because he was injured. I mean, come on. You transfer within conference. You can't be petty about it. You knew it was coming. You knew it was happening when you did it. Congrats. You beat us. Uh, You made that great play against us in Lawrence. It probably ruined our season. Hat tip to you. But, I mean, come on. You, you still spent three years at Texas Tech. You still went further with Texas Tech in the tournament than you did with Kansas. Uh, you still got to the same round of the Big 12 title and lost the Big 12 championship game. I mean, come on. I I, I get some anger, but it, it seems like they're liking, enjoying taking shots at Texas Tech here. But... Anyways, that's going to wrap it up for this one. Huge baseball series this weekend, and maybe this time next week I will be talking to you about new Texas Tech head basketball coach Grant McCasland.